Welcome back to Redwall, a podcast where we remember, reread, and rethink the book series Redwall by Brian Jakes. If you give a mouse a book three, it will be weighty, heavy. It will translate into our longest ever episode. I don't even know Whoa. where we're going to begin. I don't know where we're going to end with this. There's there's too much to talk about here. Uh, too, too much content. Too much content. I am Jordan. I'm Derek, and this is re-riff wall because boy oh boy we're gonna need to like grasp at straws for conversation topics here today jordan yeah why is that uh this is a this is a slight entry into the the red wall canon uh not not a large book not not a large book about a a clean 50 pages uh it let it's it's only 50 pages and Less than fifty things happen. Um, yeah, less than fifty things. Uh, he spends a lot of less time than five things happen. <laughs> Truly, um, there was a person on Twitter who said once, like they're trying to understand what to call these books within the books of Redwall books, uh, and their like kid said, like, oh, I just call them mega chapters, and like, good call, kiddo. Uh, we should call yeah. them that. But in this case, it's really just. A, a chapter. chapter. This is not a <laughs> mega chapter. This no. is this is just a chapter. Uh, yeah, not a, a chapter. not a lengthy chunk of this book for sure. Yeah. Um, so I, I guess up top on that note, uh, I think at the end of last episode, I had said that Jacob Plick, uh, former and future guest, uh, oh, would yeah. be joining us for this uh, slight programming change. Since this, we, we didn't want to. Uh, I guess waste isn't the right word, but it, it wasn't the right book to talk about with Jacob. Yeah. So we will we will definitely uh, swing back, get get back with him, and actually talk about a book. Um, but this this was we wanted to make sure that there was uh, enough to talk about, and this just this wasn't the right one. So yeah, no we Jacob want to this give time. Him. It's just us. He's not hiding here. We're not <laughs> we're not <laughs> failing to introduce him. No, he's on the Zoom chat. He's just watching. Yeah, at the he's just watching. Hi, Jacob. Wave to the wave to the people. He's waiting. Yeah, we didn't want to give him the uh, short end of the stick or the short end of the book, if you Ooh, will. Nice. Uh, some hilarious jokes on here. Yeah, and that's the kind of riffing you can expect on this here episode. Quality content. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. I guess like up top, I I suppose. The the big picture questions we maybe had for this book before we read it uh, yeah. was, okay, this was kind of a sad story where you could definitely slice it as like, I'm not sure that Luke made the right choice yeah. here. I wonder how Martin's going to feel about that. Uh, what? How did Martin feel about that? Did Boy. Martin feel about that? <laughs> yeah. I mean, that last question really is a question I am still asking after finishing the book. <laughs> Did Martin feel about that? I boy is maybe like this. I don't know if there's going to be something we can say for after the summary of what happened, but I am left wanting a lot more in this book, uh, especially compared to like even yeah, even compared to other books where we're sometimes wanting more like substance to chew on and character development and lessons. Probably more than ever, I am left wanting that here because uh, yeah. there's not anything to chew on other than like martin going gold star dad well let's go home kids yeah on the one hand like yes would i prefer it to sort of be 
at least a level of cut like he he receives this sort of like family legacy and it's a complicated mm-hmm. one uh and you would hope that that response like that that's something i guess i'm rooting for um but on the other hand i'm like you know this is pretty consistent with like he he really just doubles down really on like i think it's pretty consistent with just how brian writes these books i mean obviously and, and there is a there is a line that abbas germain writes in the very last uh mm-hmm. sort of passage because the very final thing ends with abbas germain and she sort of says like martin came back with this amazing story it was pretty sad but like what's the story uh, sad stories still make us feel and make us who or, we are or like it, happiness and sadness blend together to make us are who we are or something like yeah, that. yeah and it's yeah. like i mean that's you know brian likes a big operatic story yeah. that's gonna make you feel stuff but he's not interested in being introspective it's mm-hmm. it's sort of like the act of feeling is that that is the end in and of itself it does the the sort of like analytical coherence and does this sort of ring true with who i find myself as a person and who i believe like that's that is not he's he's broad 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 uh yeah and so it's again it's not something that i like and i think he has done stuff where it's like i think you can do both i think he has done both Mm -hmm. um but i'm like it, it's consistent with what his viewpoint is of this type of story. Like I, him making us feel something is the success. Like that's <laughs> uh, that, like that's I think truly how he's like, did the story about Luke make you feel something great? Like case closed. My job is done. Get that typewriter closed down. I, I feel like um, with other books, there is, a lot of stuff that happens and there's maybe some stuff that we're left wanting more with um, in terms of how characters deal with whether it be violence or wrecking with what just happened in the rest of the story. We're left wanting either like a better version of it or something like that. And one of my pet peeves in a lot of, I think, internet culture at the moment um, and fandom in general is when something happens in a movie or a story or or tv show people are like that's not how it's supposed to go that's not what i wanted from it that's not what's supposed Mm -hmm. to happen and they like substitute their own uh desired story and say because i wanted this this other story is bad and they don't treat it for what it is and i think that in these books this has been a good lesson for me to kind of push against that and like take what i got and digest it and um dig into the content that i have that brian gives us in this case however he just doesn't (laughs) give us anything um which i think is very different um because there is i think this book has such a potential um the premise is so strong and what he could do with it um and he leaves so much of it uh Mm -hmm. even like untouched um Mm -hmm. summarizes his dad's whole story and how he feels about it in one line which is a bummer of just like i'd do the same thing uh and which is gold star i don't know you could slice that as like i mean i think that is true but like that's only because you've been forged by like (laughs) tragedy and having to like 
overthrow cycles of oppression and like it's so it's it's kind of like i i i'm like i think that's an honest thing (laughs) sure i but but like it's it's there's a lot of the the whole first book was building up with this kind of turmoil inside of martin of sadness and questioning and then after this whole story with his dad um where his dad he doesn't do a selfish action crashing the boat, but one that might not be 100% containing all the things that he could have done. It wasn't the most informed decision, but definitely a visceral one made in the, in the, uh, in the storm. I say that as if I wouldn't crash a boat in the middle of a storm and I would be clear headed in that context. Yeah, I wouldn't sure. be, but, um, I mean, he had a lot of choices to make before he got to that point. That's like, true. That's the logical conclusion of all of the choices he had made up until that point. Yeah, when you have so when you have Martin who is like questioning his dad's story, and then he listens to his story, uh, his dad's story, and his dad's story has things that are critiquable, and then he mm-hmm. just like gold star approves it. I thought this whole time we were like building up to this idea of Martin questioning what a what a warrior is and his role is supposed to be, and instead he just yeah. has like very little anything yep. at the yep. end there guys spoiler i don't know what's going to happen in this story summary they go home and that's <laughs> that's about it uh yeah let's do that right now derek what happened in all right. book three of the legend of luke a warrior's legacy i think is our subtitle which again uh, what it doesn't deal with that okay <laughs> here, this, this is what about. we got this is what we got the travelers travel home as the abbey builders build the abbey Boom. Book three. We're Boom. done. Yeah. Wow. Uh, yeah. I guess we can say there's like meeting of old friends again um, and some like two pages of wrapping up everyone's story or attempting to. But that's about it. Yeah. They have a nice meal at the Dune Hogs Dune Den. Dune Den. <laughs> nice potato and leek soup, I believe. Um, Big fan of a potato and leek soup, though. Soup, yeah, same. Though. But I, I I did notice in that spot though they did a t- potato and leek soup followed by a stew immediately. That's a lot of li- mm-hmm. liquids for these yeah. these beasts to enjoy. I think they're uh, yeah. Could use a little bit of solids in this. Wonder in this. what those wonder what those shits look like. <laughs> I, th- I often historically about the bathroom logistics of Redwall. Are like what's what is what is that? What's uh, the plumbing sh- situation? Yeah, are they shitting in the wood? Like, they're animals, so like, I mean, they shit like animals do? Or? A lot of rodents eat their own feces. Um, oh, that's right. That's right. You've, so you've brought that up before. It's just, yeah. in, I Case mean, like, clothes. the scones full of poop. Yeah. <laughs> Deeper of. than ever, turn up and pie. <laughs> Skilly and duff. Skill, Skilly and duff. More like. Shitty and, shitty and duff. Shitty and poop. No. There's no, there's no poo words that start with D. Off the top of my head, is this going to be a Google moment? Is this where we start like riffing? A, is this where we get to re riff wall? Where we're gonna... skilly and turd. I don't know. Uh, poop words. Skilly and scat. Yeah, I like that. That sounds good. That also even sounds even like not a poop thing. That sounds like a like yeah jazz vocalization i was gonna say are you saying like you're you're ready you want me to dish you up a plate of skilly and scat right now there's nothing else i'd want more this holiday season the traditional red wall 
Yeah. Uh, winter holiday. Yum yum. Eat them up. Skilly and scat. Did I ever talk about yeah. what Skilly and Duff is? It comes up like multiple times in the I'm this short a, book. Kind of unclear of what it because I thought it was a shrew food. I think it mm-hmm. is a shrew food. I think they eat it a, a lot. Shrewd. But I <laughs> a shrewd. Um, but there was once. I feel like there was a book where like the vermin made it, and it was sort yeah. of like I think it was Bell Maker. Um, whatever Bad Rang was in, I think they talked about eating Skilly and Duff, and like our our good people were like, "Oh my god, this food is unedible and uncivilized." But I'm like, I think the shrews eat that, and you eat it with that. So I feel like Skilly and Duff has been a little bit malleable in terms of, but I I don't know what it is. It looks to be malleable as we go to the Redwall Wiki. Skilly and Duff is a dish that consists of a thick. Sweet sauce, skilly, and pudding or dough, duff. So this is like mm. goo. Uh, Redwall <laughs> skilly and duff often contains a variety of ingredients, such as arrowroot and damsons. I have no fucking idea what those things are. Yeah, pudding damson in this is sense, such a Redwall word, though. It, like, it sure is. I can't, can't wait to chow down on some damsons after this. Pudding in this sense is the UK definition, which means the term is used interchangeably with dessert. Thus, it's a dessert with sauce. But then we go to Skilly and Duff recipes, and in Marl Fox, we see Dippler describing Skilly and Duff as including wild plums, chopped chestnuts, and blackberries, all cased up in a ball of spongy pastry like a great dumpling. But in Moss Flower, Tim Ballisto, our true hero of the story, describes a savory version of Skilly and Duff containing potato, seafood, plenty of pepper, and sea salt. All of those things I do not associate with dessert. <laughs> yeah. Weird. But, uh, so is it, it is in, a flexible definition. We, are, are we able to confirm whether it is mentioned in, in the bell maker? I feel like it is. It, it's um, that in Bellmaker, Captain Slip re- tried to make it from memory when he and Blaggett were staying at Redwall Abbey, but oh it yeah, turned Blaggett, out not horrible. Bad, right? Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I, they do said, try to do it. I said Badrang earlier. I meant bad, Blaggett. My mm-hmm. my apologies uh, to the to the community and to Blaggett. A good I don't boy. think it's in the Redwall cookbook though either. I don't believe it is, and it's I don't not a, it's not an me. appetizer. Therefore, mm. it's not in the Redwall cookbook. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's true. Uh, yes, yeah, so Skilly and Duff, confusing food. Um, I do. There was something that I wanted. Oh, um, I think maybe on the topic, kind of what you're saying, if there's this sort of tendency to sort of be like, this is what I wanted this story to do. I wanted it to ring true to my experience and preferences, and it didn't do that, therefore bad. Um, There has been an interesting conversation this year, I think, around a movie kind of in that context, this movie sets itself apart. It doesn't work in that sort of mold. And that movie is the Northman. Um, hmm. I don't know if you've seen that, but it's a Viking movie. Um, and that was such a fun, it's a really good movie. Um, but I did really appreciate Robert Eggers. The director makes 
movies that like just don't behave how you want them to or like if you're coming in they do not watch like a lot of movies do now uh and in the northman he sort of just like takes norse mythology and viking culture just like at its face value or just Mm -hmm. it just he just takes it seriously and the result is like these people are not relatable at all like yeah vikings running around who like truly believe in like odin and valhalla and are making vows and that's now the like guiding principle of their entire life like they don't make sense right like i (laughs) I can't relate to that so like this movie is not in any way meant but he makes the movie engage like you you Literally, like, there's no even avenue into it to try to do that. Uh, Hmm. It is just a straight down the middle, brutal as shit Viking story. And it's like, it it makes, yeah, I've seen, I think there was some critic that sort of described, like, Robert Eggers views the past as, like, fully alien. There is nothing, (laughs) there is, Hmm. he is making no attempts to sort of be like, humanity is... There's so much difference across time and space, but when you really think about it, humanity is humanity, and I'm trying to sort of, like, find... It's like, no. (laughs) Like, the past is this uncrackable thing. Like, we are fully past that. There's something engaging about I'm still attracted to the story, but not as, like, a... What does it mean for me as a person now? It's just, like, what if Vikings on screen? Um, (laughs) What if Vikings on screen? And I think there's a little bit of that. I, I do think Brian Jakes has mm-hmm. sort of a, a view of like, what do these stories say about us now? Clearly, like sort of the community folk. I, I think there is a lot of his own experience and sort of this aspirational thing for like whatever a reader's context that does make you sort of consider like, what does the story mean for me now? But I also think the Arthurian sort of just like, I also think he likes sort of just like, this is a warrior who made this vow and that's what warriors do. And I'm just going to take that seriously. And I, I think some of what we are talking about with this book where we're like, there is nothing here. I think some of that is because this is about Martin. I think that character comes with a little bit more weight. I think he's not willing to undo stuff with hmm. this character. He's written about this character before, whereas like a character uh, like Tamo in The Long Patrol is more of a blank slate. He can yeah. make him feel different things. I think at this point he's like, I've read written Martin the Warrior. I've written Moss Flower. Uh, and now I'm writing this and we kind of know what Martin does. I've also written about Martin a ton in other books about what he does with his sword. And so like, there's an aspect of that where he's like, I can't move too. I think he thinks he can't move too much. Um, I think he's not willing to go, uh, to get complicated with Martin. Um, there's a part where I thought he was trying to quality of Martin is just like, it's just it's sort of untouchable from that. So I think it's just sort of like, well, we know that this is a warrior who made vows. So I'm just going to like we know what the guiding principle of Martin's life is. Uh, yeah. We've seen it before. We're going to show this story of his dad to sort of connect that this is like this legacy. But like we know what it is. And I'm just going to take that seriously and not really care if it's something you can relate with or not. Um, yeah. 
And it's like the other animals don't need to relate with it. Like Martin is set apart. So it's like relatability and complication and sort of like none of that matters in in Brian's view of Martin's story, I don't think. Um, Yeah, I mean, it it feels (laughs) legendary. (laughs) <laughs> um in 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 a in a true sense of it's like more about the action and stuff. One of the reviews actually on the back of the textbook in which we read does like at the bottom here, uh let's cite Kirkus reviews for the moment. Mm. Um where he says Martin's inner search and struggles with beasts of both land and sea inner. I don't know about that, but uh <laughs> will remind some older readers of Homer while also satisfying ferocious fans of jake's series and i do think that comparison to uh like yeah homer and ancient greek uh stories does ring true i remember reading some of those in like high school and stuff too and just feeling very detached from it yeah Um, this isn't a person like yeah this isn't a person this this is just like like, a series of events that is happening and it can't be cool to read about um but it it's like maybe there is some takeaways of like don't be a bad person, uh, and that's yeah. like lesson number one, and also the final lesson at the same time. Yeah. Um, and so good call there, Kirkus reviews making that comparison. Um, and, these Kirkus reviewers, they know what they're doing. They 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 know the the Homer and uh, Homer wrote the Odyssey. No. Uh, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Okay. I believe. I passed high school English. I have that on my bookshelf. Let me see. Yes, Homer's The Odyssey. I think you wrote Wonderful. The Iliad as well. Maybe not. Yeah, both. I think so. I don't know. I, don't know. I haven't read well, The Iliad. I've read again, The Odyssey. Again, we, we ask these questions as if we don't have. <laughs> as if we... Uh, so, the Iliad, yeah, the Iliad is, is an epic poem attributed to Homer. Um, okay cool i think homer might be one of those people where it's like is it one person probably yeah Um, yeah um i think real actually i'm pretty sure um it was uh the coen brothers who wrote it oh Um, yeah 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 oh brother where art thou yeah yeah Um, i would love to see a coen brothers redwall book i think that would be (laughs) wonderful you can see you can just tell that if the coen brothers made a redwall story a hair would be the main character Honestly, um, that would work so well. They would be would. able to write the... Sh- I, uh, a Coen Brothers Redwall script would be great. Because they also Francis have like McDormand an opaqueness. As like, oh, yeah. Yeah, like it's like a hard time relating with these characters at times. But at the same time, they are very attractive. and war- It's not yeah. like cold or unfeeling. It's just yeah. weird. It's just kind of weird. Aloof. Um, uh, yeah. And I feel like a hair would do a really good job in that just because oh, yeah. they're a little bit off and just kind of like dry and have a silliness to them uh, that they're so good at writing and, and doing movies about. Um, <laughs> or a Redwall version of No Country for Old Men. That's that's what yeah. I would like to see uh, more than anything else. Yep. Would watch. Um, what's the Redwall equivalent of a cattle prod? Oh, um, is, that's not a not, that's not a cattle prod. What is that? no? That's the, not a cattle prod. That's a cattle air gun. So, I don't know. Air gun. Um, <laughs> a cattle BB gun. Airsoft. Uh, uh, old country men gun is what I ended up doing. Um, 
I feel like you're going to get some hits before what you're looking for just... on old country men gun. <laughs> Those are four words that probably go together a lot. How does the uh, reddit.com, how does the weapon in no country for old men functions? Um, he has a cat. It's just called, called a cattle gun. Cattle gun. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, so they don't have cat though. Was it? Was a cattle mentioned in this book at one point? I feel like, I think I made a one? note of that. Yeah, um, I didn't pick up on that. I don't. Think maybe it that. didn't. Uh, but cattle probably does not exist in the Redwall universe, so it will be hard. Uh, I bet you it's going to be a Dirk, a Dirk. With <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Bring it back to the beginning of the season. Dirt, yeah, yeah. That's right. Nice bookend. Um. Yeah, it is funny to sort of just be like i think you can really tell that brian ultimately wanted to write book two (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah and how do i frame this everything else around this yeah Yeah. i yeah i i do think um when you were talking about this book this whole book being almost like a reboot though too um i almost feel like at this last book part or whatever we want to call it it almost feels more like a I don't think it's a swan song necessarily, but like a kind of like culmination of like everything is ending peacefully or we're kind of like containing everything we want here in these last 50 pages of people being friends with other people in the forest. The Redwall Abbey is kind of coming to its final formation with the weather vane coming on top and just kind of like adventures doing adventure stuff. He's going back to these characters he already knows um and even though in some like yeah it's interesting how the beginning feels a little bit like a let's get new readers and the end feels like uh let's wrap it all up with a bow i could see this being the last book of trying Mm -hmm. to talk about big legends and um tying all these things that he likes so much all together at the very end yeah yeah, that makes sense. I don't know. I like book one felt like it could be sort of a, a soft reboot or sort yeah. of like a new entry. But I don't know that here at the end of the book, I feel like it quite functions that way. Um, mm-hmm. But it's just like these three parts are just so like dis- yeah. it's like, I don't know. I'm like, I can't really like string together like, well, I felt this way in book one. And that's now I feel this. I'm like, I, it's just like three totally separate yeah things it's just there's almost a part of me it's like my guy brian it was it would be so easy to just change a couple things and have the first book kind of parallel maybe the second book or some things like that and there Mm -hmm. it's wild that i think he just kind of went what's this middle story he writes a kick-ass middle story for the most part Mm -hmm. and then just frames it in uh not much much if anything um yeah yeah, it makes me. I'm like, why didn't you just write the legend yeah. of Luke? Like, why? Like, why frame it around Martin in a sort of like present day thing at all? Like, why not just write the prequel? Yeah, the legend of Luke. He's framed stories before as people telling stories, and so. Yeah. It's like, why not make book again? one three pages and yeah. then like, like you normally do? And then I don't know. It's but at the same time, I'm like, I don't need Luke's 
I don't need book two to be stretched past what it is. I think yeah. book two is sort of the perfect length. Um, so I, I don't know. When we can but, get economic storytelling from Brian, we yeah. take economic storytelling. That's that's true. There are some things that happen in this third book of like. Is there? Oh, sure. there's. Uh, <laughs> there's I think if you keep saying that, it will come true. Uh, if I wish really hard, uh, I will actualize uh, events happening. Oh, my my copy just grew like thirty pages just by looking at that <laughs> and thinking really hard about it. Um, oh, it's sentient now. <laughs> It's, it's talking to me. Um, it says, Derek, talk about how there's a little bit of otter, silly otter lore um, oh, yeah. with Mossflower where, uh, what's his name? Um, Fulgrim uh, goes home. Yeah. Everyone's like, he looks the, he looks like a brand new otter. And I think it's like Gonfu goes like, hey, Fulgrim's brother, you look really familiar. Do you know Skipper? And then, oh, yeah, he's my uncle. <laughs> Let's uh, and remember Mask from Mossflower. Uh, it almost has like a Fulgrim related story. Oh, is this some uh, some October Christmas ale we got coming on here? Yeah, uh, some Christmas ale from the cellars of Cleveland, Ohio. Cleveland, Ohio. Thanks, hello, hello. Kendra, for delivering. She cannot hear you. Okay. Uh, w- will she, knows she speak? Him- Hello. Don't need to get that close. Okay. (laughs) Sorry to the listener. That's probably really loud. (laughs) Levels are off the charts. Fix it in post. post. Ah, that's cute. I don't think we will be needing your services. Ooh. Oh, thank you for spilling beer on the floor. (laughs) Those are the services. She just took a deep bow and spilled beer right on the floor. Um... I feel like spilling a holiday-related or seasonal ale is a uh, big redwall move. So, yeah. so now that I've been delivered an ale, I'm ready to gear up for our next two hours as we yeah again make longest this our longer ever longest, longest episode, episode ever. I um the last thing that I think just kind of struck me in this it's not like a huge deal, but there was a couple points. Or one in particular at the end here, we've ta- we've had to reckon with violence before in this book, and how it's like how some of the uh, good guys treat the so-called bad guys and vermin. And I think that this book probably has the most is most representing what a lot of people critique this book series to have, and how um, there is a sort of speciesism or uh racism like quality with uh vermin being always bad and they can be treated poorly and the good guys being good i think there's a lot of points where the bad guys do bad things and then that's why they get retribution or they uh heroes then have to fight against that badness but in this case when they're journeying home i felt like there was uh at least one moment where they were like proactively just fighting and like attacking vermin who are just existing in the forest. And at one point they're like, they capture a stoat and the stoat throws himself down a cliff, hits a rock with a thud and the good guys laugh at it. Uh, And like make a comment of like, I've never had so much fun (laughs) Uh, to a degree of like, it's like, this is uh, not, not a good way to treat 
other other folks here, and it 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 maybe was just like a little bit of a, a little Skillion Duff cherry on top of some stuff that was already kind of disappointing at the end of the book here. Yeah, it was a bummer, and I mean like. The stuff that does it, it's just connected to literally nothing. Nothing, like it yeah. It's is just like, okay, random passage of, yeah, violence. I think there was, it felt a little bit to me like some of the, because there was, they like saved some people. There was like, wasn't there like a family being like terrorized by vermin or something and they just like happened to like come and like save the day kind of thing? In the third book here? In the third book here, I, I feel like... There was like some vermin. I, I feel like the passage that you're talking about, the initial sort of thing was like there was these like unsuspecting woodland creatures who were like being. Let's see. Let's see. Oh, let's see. Uh, I think that there's just some bad guys just kind of being ragtaggly. And then they uh, then Fulgrim and chugger just come up and act like some little unsuspecting dudes and then they run off and they get ambushed and with a pitiful wail the ferret flung himself <laughs> overboard they watched him bounce and spin as he rolled downhill until a rock halted his progress with i quote a juicy thud <laughs> a juicy th- that is not Gross. the word juicy should describe my good play of skilly and duff not a yeah. thud that's insane. Isn't this a grand is old way to be traveling? Sure, I've not had this much fun since I caught a jellyfish on me spikes. Oh, yeah. And he's like, what's a jellyfish? It's yeah. Like, You're a jellyfish. Got him. <laughs> yeah. What page is this? I wanna, I this is 347. This. Yeah, I don't know. What are they? Yeah, weird. Weird. It just seems... Yeah, I like... I truly don't know what I like. Again, it feels like book two. Brian's like, I'm interested in writing this book. And Mm -hmm. and I don't know if an editor or if it's something like, well, no, we need these books are 300 pages. So like, that's what we're publishing, like figure it out. And just pads, pads, pads. Uh, I I don't know. But the level of intentionality and passion, I think, is observable (laughs) in the parts where there was intentionality and passion. And just outside (laughs) of that, it's like. Also, here's some words. Yeah, here are some vocabulary words that you can ask your teacher about when you I'll don't say know this. what they mean. It certainly was a book. It was indeed a book. You know, it's a book that feels like a book. <laughs> it really just <laughs> a good, feels like yeah, a book. Wow. That's another good bookend. I think we probably talked about Don't Worry, Worry Darling's press tour in some of our earliest episodes <laughs> this season. Remember September... Wow, what a long time ago. Good golly, good times. So we also get a tapestry in this like oh, right, yeah. gift box. That yeah. was it his grandma or his or Martin's mom that made this gift box for Martin? I took it to be Martin's mom. Yeah, but... I, I thought so too. Um, but I wanted to make sure. But we do get a tapestry of Martin, but it's not the Martin that we thought it would be. It's old Martin, Martin's grandpapa, um, mm. which made me wonder, is the old mouse that haunts the abbey Martin the warrior oh. or old Martin? Does this then like get to why old Martin might be a riddle head and then Martin the warrior in this book 
Not a big riddle guy. Guys, we're busting open the doors here. Yeah, that's, I love that. That, which Martin is it? I love the idea that the spirit of Martin that we've been having the whole time is just like old Grandpa Martin. And the reason we're like, what the fuck? Why? This doesn't feel like the mouse I've read about is because it's not. It's not the same mouse. Though at the end, we do get Martin saying riddles for the sword. But uh, you know what? Yeah. I think I think yeah. I think Martin the warrior put uh, Grandpa Martin in just like riddle riddle duty for all the mm-hmm. ghosts of the afterlife. Um, mm-hmm. And then he's just taking care of all the riddles. Spences. Yeah. I mean, afterlife. once you're in the dark forest, like I feel like Martin the warrior can just be their convenient pen name. Like. <laughs> It's it's both of them. Like yeah, no, I, they they share duties. Like, are, are you telling me that Martin has a ghostwriter? <laughs> I I am telling you that Martin has a ghostwriter. Yeah. Wow. Uh, I think that's the best joke I've ever made. Anything that I said last episode, not nearly as funny as that. Not nearly as funny. Yeah. Yeah. Why isn't Luke in uh, in the dark? Yeah. Room? Like, what's what's he doing? Um, I think he's in the Wouldn't deep. he want to see this abbey that his legacy founded? Like, yeah. I, do you think he has comments on the state of the sword uh, that Martin had where he broke it? Where he's and like, then, this is what you did with it? Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's a meteor sword. I would have a space sword. I would be like, good job, mm-hmm. kiddo. You went to Salamandastron, a place I might not know about, and <laughs> you, you made it a space sword. Yeah. Uh, I feel like Luke would totally fuck with Salamandastron. Oh, yeah. Uh, He'd be no like, doubt. oh, you badgers are here making revenge oaths and letting that <laughs> being your only guiding principle in life? Hell yeah. Like, <laughs> Me too. That's, me too. Uh, good badger lord uh, Luke would make. Where, where, where are we at here? <laughs> we could... Uh, we could try... We got, we got awards to give to this book, uh, mm-hmm. which are going to be hard as fuck. Uh it, it's a weird one because there's some where it's like there's not really a good candidate, and then there's some where there's so many candidates. Okay, uh, I, I don't I don't know what I'm going to do with those, but uh, and then uh, we can do some revise. We can go back to making some tiers now that we've we're finishing a season. We've got twelve books under our belt. Uh, we can we can revisit. What do we say? Low tier, mid tier, top tier. Um, yeah, four books each. I think that's good. Or maybe if we want a Skillion Duff tier at the bottom. Skillion Duff, uh, uh, yeah. Or top tier is Skillion Duff, parentheses, real. And then bottom tier is Skillion Duff, parentheses, block it. Uh, and then <laughs> yeah. that'll work out. Or no, we can just do three. Skillion Duff. Yeah, I don't know. What do we got? So yeah, let's do let's do uh, the the awards for this book, mm-hmm. um, which start with MVP, I guess. Start with MVP, which I think was the hardest one. Uh, <laughs> I'm like, I don't know, I don't know. Like, uh, I guess I'll just give it to. I guess I'll just give it to Luke. I don't know. I sure. I enjoyed just because I enjoyed reading that book, and even if like I'm like, yeah, I would hope that i would uh act differently perhaps given but at the same time if my wife was tragically murdered on a beach by pirates 
I can't say what I'd do for sure. So yeah. who am I, I to cast stones? I think uh, I would just be sad. <laughs> I think I would simply take a nap. <laughs> <laughs> and mope. Um, uh, I wouldn't get the legend of Luke. I would get the disaster of Derek. Uh, <laughs> that would be my story. Oh, man. <laughs> oh, shucks. Um, um, for my MVP, I'd probably, oh. I would hope I would be like, what was the, what was the very cool big hedgehog? Uh, solar, solar tree, solar tree. Yeah. I hope I would just like make a grief tree yeah. and sort of have this understated wisdom in this monastic silent solitary life. It's like if you have the opportunity to find your loved one again, you're going to take it. But mm-hmm. you also understand that sometimes yeah. vengeance is not the only answer, nor the best one. Yeah. Yeah. Can but I make my I MV- I'll just give it again. Can- I, I don't know. I probably couldn't read a whole book of solitary tree. Just kidding. I could, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I enjoyed reading about, Luke's bad decision. So I will give <laughs> the MVP to Luke. Uh, I'm it's, just going to give the at MVP least something. I'm just going to give the MVP to Solar Tree. Uh, okay. Again, no, I I think yeah. I, I wrote down Verge uh, just because mm. I I love a good support character, a good Samwise yeah. Gamgee, uh, someone who has a good head on their shoulders but is not the leader of everyone in a troop. Um, so I put him down. Uh, and also, maybe it could be most Verge player is what MVP stands for. Um, mm. So it's there in the name. Yeah. All right. What do we got next? Boy, most improved. Uh, book <laughs> one. <laughs> Who had the best character arc? Uh, and similar to did Martin feel things, did people have character arcs? I think Brian made... <laughs> A big deal about Fulgrim, like, returning home and everyone's like, this is a new otter. Uh, Never seen this guy before. So I guess, like, by technicality, maybe Fulgrim would be a, like, one here. But he shows no growth the whole time. He just returns (laughs) and people are like, new guy. Uh, I haven't seen you for a while. I forgot what you looked like. Therefore, you are a changed animal. Um. So I guess he wins by technicality in my book, at least. Yeah. Or unless I'm forgetting someone. In theory, uh, Vilu goes from um, an arc on the top of a boat to a very <laughs> sloped arc to the bottom of the sea. Um, yeah. But that's about it. Yeah. Uh, I don't have anything else, so I'll give it to Fulgrim as well. Congratulations, Fulgrim. You win yeah. by default, which yeah, is... Yeah, it's like, it's one of those things where he didn't necessarily win, everybody else just lost. <laughs> Congrats, uh, but it's still a win. Um, class- that's kind of how this season of Survivor went. That's uh, that's what I heard. I, I follow Survivor purely by the by Kendra liking things on Twitter. Uh, <laughs> and I just see things that she'd like pop into my timeline, and then I'm like, it's okay, like, I guess this is my Twitter a- feed. It was a one of those things where you're like, this is like from a game perspective bad because a terrible player won, but from a TV perspective fun Ooh. because my goodness was this shocking. It, like 
truly, we watched this season of Survivor with friends, and it was just like the perfect finale where you're just like, no fucking way this guy wins. Yeah. And then he did. Uh, and it's stare like, just Survivor caveat. We're riffing here. I know this is going to be our longest episode ever, but typically <laughs> there is there is what, it, it's very confusing because normally GOAT means greatest of all time. Mm-hmm. However, somehow in Survivor uh, terminology, GOAT has become shorthand for the player that you want to bring to the end because you know you can beat them so what a is, lot of time, does it stand for something else i don't think it stands for something else i think it's just sort of like the goat that you bring along i i, right. I truly kind of might know the, do you think uh, that it predated common lexicon of the word goat i bet it did yeah um, okay i bet it did like scapegoat almost it's scapegoat more like yeah. that, it seems. Uh, Where you just kind of bring someone f- else and then pin all the other stuff on them. I don't know. That doesn't quite fit because it's it's really sort of just a lot of times, unfortunately, in Survivor, this type of player ends up being like kind of an older player who's just like kind of aloof and like they're not a threat. So it is like so often they make it to the end because the way... For people who don't know, the way that Survivor is determined right now is it comes down to a final three and you make your case to a jury and the jury is made up of players who were voted out. And so it is advantageous to be sitting there with an extremely weak player because they can't make it like they they have nothing to it's sort of like everybody let them be here. Mm-hmm. Um and so oftentimes, again, it is an older player. Oftentimes it's an older woman. It's sort oh, of an yeah. unfortunate sort of thing. And it's sort of just like every nobody perceives you as a threat. And so you were a convenient kind of number to vote with. And everybody wanted you at the end because they knew that they could beat you. And that was totally this dude's vibe. He yeah. seemed like a kooky old guy. No, but everybody, there were so many conversations throughout the season of like, well, we can get Gabler out whenever like we don't have to do that now he's not a priority and then he happened to be sitting next to two other people who also really like didn't have a strong case and he was more self-aware and had like one move that he could say this was me and also was extremely well liked everybody like really oh, so enjoyed that's good. being around him and yeah. so it was just sort of like again he it was less that he won the game and more that the other two people didn't win. Well, I mean, that's what like, we call the long con. <laughs> yeah. And it again, it's like normally this player never, ever, ever wins. And this just was the perfect storm where like, you're just like this fucking guy. Yeah. <laughs> like, it, amazing. I love uh, that. So I did a number crunch um, and I looked up what the term goat comes from. Uh, okay. I could probably, so it has a definite, place where it comes from and okay i want i want you to give i want you to give me three guesses of where you think this could come from uh because yeah. it's again i'm very, sure it's something you knows. absolutely know of what it what this thing is oh. but i don't know if you're gonna know uh that the term goat comes from it goat comes okay, i'll give you one hint i'll give you one hint unfortunately it's not Redwall. <laughs> okay um so it's it comes from something definitively in Survivor? No, not or? in Survivor. It's another okay. like juggernaut of pop culture history. Oh. But a little bit of a specific kind of pop culture. 
specific kind of pop culture. Oh boy. But like um, the juggernaut of that. I'm going to say medium. Medium. What the fuck? Um, goat. Uh, I got nothing. This is know. way more fun for me. Then I just want one guess. I want one guess. I like, I truly don't even know what to say. Like my mind goes to like, I don't know when is there goats and pop culture? Like it's, <laughs> is it, is it George Miller's babe? <laughs> <laughs> um, Jordan, have you ever heard of a, a Mr. Charlie Brown? Mm. It's from a Peanuts comic oh, yeah. strip. Really? Yeah. Uh, he is, Char- Charlie Brown is sad, uh, as Charlie Brown is wont oh, to be. Oh. <laughs> uh, because this is a tragedy of a comic strip. Uh, he's sad that he dropped a ball and he is going up to Snoopy and he's saying, I could have been the hero, but what am I? I'm the goat. I'm always the goat. And then Snoopy acts like a goat. And then Charlie Brown says, all right, lay off. That's what it comes from. <laughs> That's what it comes How from. How did that become? I'll send you the inside survivor link. Uh, <laughs> okay, this comes. I I don't know. Again, Kendra, my wife, is a Survivor super fan. I am a fan, but not as big as her. She probably knows because there's got to be a first time. The way that this stuff works is like there's a first time that somebody said it and then it just becomes like sort of canon in every play. Like now mm-hmm. they only cast super fans. Yeah. So everybody who's on there has seen every season and is involved in like the online fandom. And yeah. like no, there, there is a glossary of like survivor lingo yeah. um, that players and so there had to have been somebody who brought this in because like not every player is reading peanuts and <laughs> like, like somewhere this took a life uh within survivor and i'm interested where, where that origin story is but anyway oh wait but it also goes is our most improved actually i'm reading more of this and then it goes into ancient greece oh sick that's great and that's dionysus and all this stuff. Uh, Perfect. Yeah, you'll you'll have to read the article. Maybe it'll go in the all show right. notes. Who knows? Uh, that is, man. Survivor that, is the perfect confluence of like, you can be smart about this, or there's like enough to like think hard about it. But at the same time, it's the stupidest shit in the world. <laughs> so it's like, I love things that it's like, boom, high art, low art. <laughs> Like, smashed together uh like you could slice it a million ways try to analyze it but at the end of the day it's a stupid game show and it is so satisfying highly recommend watching survivor great uh and most improved do we do class clown no, no we didn't we, did okay. we have we have only done mvp uh which which improved. uh which um legendary game show do we want to talk about in relation to class clown uh which reality tv show are we going to dig into here uh find out later um class clown we've called this one class hair before which it has there's someone Bo is trying to be the class clown in at least book two but there's a lot of people who are funny in this book I think that's maybe like the biggest thing it has going for it. Who did you have for class clown? 
I'm going to give it to Gomf. Like, yeah. most of that's a book one thing, but he was just so funny yeah. in that book that, again, like you say, Bo is sort of fresher on the mind, I guess, because we don't get a ton of Gomf in book three. Um, but Gomf is funnier than Bo, so I think I got to <laughs> give it to quality, not quantity. I think I, I it's such a, it's a, it's a tight race. I put Winks down as the class clown because uh, there's so many Winks in the first book, and even in the second one, they show up. Uh, but I think I'm gonna make it. I'm gonna throw a little like artsy interpretation in here and say Winks mm-hmm. stand for the characters interacting with each other. And there's a lot of moments where the humor is just coming from <laughs> a lot of guys just being dudes. Uh, where they're just yeah. having like good old making fun of each other, but in a loving way. You know, this is like uh, this is the jackass of uh, <laughs> the Redwall stories, uh, or it's just dudes making fun of each other, but they dish it and they serve it and they take it. And yeah, yeah. And they lot, know it's all with in good Winx, fun. There's a lot of like kind of like shoves or like backpats as well. Yeah, like, yeah. Like when when they're at the, I think they're at the Dune Hog place, and there's like. A, a little bit of like the high school dance sort of thing of like the young the young hog maids are like flirting with the the young hogs or whatever and and one of the older guys is like i don't like i don't wish to be young or whatever and martin's like come on they're so full of life and you're just crotchety and like gives him a nice like shove there, there's a lot of that kind of thing just just guys being dudes just guys being dudes yeah and like that's the that's some of the stuff where i'm like i just feel like brian probably like is just kind of writing scenes from his pub in some of those moments oh yeah i'm like he's he's the guy who's giving people pats on the back he knows everybody like i don't know It, it is there's a jovial sort of yeah just a like you know he has shoved a friend before oh yeah yeah Brian's a shover. <laughs> He's a shover and a lover. And a winker. And a wink. Not only that a winker. winker. A winker. <laughs> <laughs> this one is a little bit weird in that, like, maybe this whole book is underutilized. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, themes. Uh, might be things that could be underutilized in this book. Yeah. Ultimately, I'll just give it to Martin. Yeah, I, I, that's where I landed to. Um, just like give it to him. Uh, on the other hand, I don't know if we've had more of a crystallized tragic elder death. Like, no clearer answer I think in this book uh, than in this book. Um, this is like the tragic elder death, Luke. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, sure. I guess you could give it to like Martin's mom. Got it going on. There's an element of that that's a little more tragic because Luke in some ways chose his death. That's true. Uh, And like, you know, it, it is a trope, but it is something that like, it's a trope for a reason. Like losing your mother is like a very sort of foundational kind of experience uh there's much music literature film whatever there's a ton of art about losing your mom um 
Do you think do you think so, Martin could write Carrie and Lowell? <laughs> I don't. <laughs> I think he'd have to I, be a little bit more introspective. I will pay money if someone, <laughs> a listener, wants to do uh cover Carrie and Lowell songs, but from the perspective of Martin the Warrior. Uh yeah. hey. Shana and Warrior. Uh do it she for us. Called me uh, Subaru. <laughs> He called me. Yeah, that wasn't his mom. That was his swim teacher. <laughs> Mixing up my Sufjan lore. <laughs> um. Boy. Uh, and then the Jess Squirrel Award. Um, I think this is the first time I've given it to another squirrel. And oh, rank of yeah. our foe seeker, just like a dash yeah. of who's this person? What are they doing here? I don't care. They're kicking ass. Yeah, that that's a good one. That's one that crossed my mind. It's so hard because like some of these awards, I can't like do this book writ large. Like, yeah, like there's a Jess Squirrel for book one. There's a Jess Squirrel for book two, and then there's nothing for book three. But uh, <laughs> I guess I'm gonna give it. I'll give it to Trimp. Um, yeah, got absolutely nothing from Trimp in book three. Uh, but audience surrogate kind of. Again, I like the sort of insertion of hedgehogs being a little bit of a bigger thing. We also, I don't think get young hedgehogs all that much. A lot of them yeah. are sort of like old kind of elders. Um, I know that, um, what's her name? Abbas, Abbas yeah. Hedgehog Tansy. Tansy, yeah. Tansy. She could become Abbas. Yeah. Um, that's kind of our only other like young hog made. Otherwise, there's usually who's in uh, in um in uh, Mariel of Redwall. Who's the young hog there? Who's our hot hog summer? Oh, hot hog. Yeah, uh, is that Dury? Yeah, Quill. Dury um, Quill. Yeah, yeah. So I guess that's not true exactly. But I like a young hedgehog, and this was a good one. And I enjoyed her presence a lot in book one. He likes a young book hog. One was one that was struggling for my attention. And I think Trimp was like something that was like, I can connect and engage with this. So I'll give it to Trimp. Those are our great Those awards. Are the, oh, we're done. With yeah, those. We're okay. Done with we, okay, we did it. Um, wow. So you wanted to uh, rank these books, you know, put them in tiers. You were pretty adamant. We don't have to quibble about what's nine versus ten. I think that's a good call. Uh, Split them into... But I do think there's got to be enough of like... We have to make some hard choices. Okay. Yeah, you wanted spiciness. You wanted this to be spicy. We can't can't just be like, well, these books are my favorite. I think we got to sort of make some hard choices of... There are three tiers. Four books that we've read belong in each. There is a low tier, a mid tier, and a high tier. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, the high point of your mid tier and the low point of your high tier is going to be, it's going to be hard. Yeah. But I think that's what we need. We need, we're not here for nuance. We're here for sauciness. Um, this is internet content after all. This is, we're a podcast. What, what, what do you want from us? Um do you want yeah, to start low tier? Where do you want to Let's, start? We got to go low to high. Okay. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's a good call. And, and let me, I, I've got pen and paper here. I've got this roughly in my mind, but let me just plot this mm-hmm. out real quick. Um, just to make too. sure that it's, and I'll tighten this up in post. Um, of course, keep it tight. This is what's going to make this the longest episode ever. It's just 
us <laughs> not having prepped beforehand <laughs> and this like dead said, silence. In post. Uh, you say that now, but we'll see what happens when this actually gets released. We'll see. I think I've got it and I feel comfortable with this. Okay, I feel pretty comfortable with mine too. I guess first and foremost, do you think you had any changes from last time we did this? <laughs> I or did not? I did. <laughs> I have no fucking clue what I did. I so whew, last time we, I was really hot on pearls. I remember mm-hmm. being really hot on pearls. I bet I had that pretty high. Um, I bet I don't. I bet I don't have many drastic changes. I um, I know of one change that happened. The okay. rest are just okay. additions. All right, starting low right. tier. Who? Who belongs in low tier in your brain? I have in low tier Redwall. Not a shocker. Unfortunately. That's definitely been consistent. It's, it's wild. Like to this day. It's, wild. It, it's unfortunate yeah. too that this is probably the book that most people have read and just get their impression it's from true. it. Which makes sense. It's true. Uh, yeah. But really, I mean, this is going to come is. up later, but Moss Flowers should be the first book people read. True. We'll uh, talk about that. So my low tier is Redwall, Marl Fox. Outcast and Legend of Luke. Oh shit! Uh, so yeah, it's unfortunate. I'm sorry. I, I'm sorry, Legend of Luke. I, I don't know. I know that some people stand hard for this book too, and I totally get that. I just the, but the rest the of the experience book. of reading this was just like, what the fuck is this thing? Um, <laughs> I I was it's maybe it's, splitting it so cleanly. Like we do an episode on book one. We do is. We do an episode on book two. We do an episode on book three is not the way to think about this book because it's just like I was I was dreading sort of cracking the book open to do these because I'm just like, what? What yeah. is this? Like, yeah. I've got nothing to like, I've got nothing to figure out what to talk. Like, I have no sort of connective tissue. It just was it. Yeah. Sorry to the Luke stands out there. I... I think it's just unfortunate that the that two books that we covered this season end up on low tier. Because uh, I also okay. have yeah, Marl yeah, Fox yeah. and Legend of Luke uh, yeah. in this tier. Right. I think maybe both were harmed by... Ex- Marl Fox was probably harmed by expectation. But even after trying to reevaluate those expectations and set them to better expectations for the book, I don't feel like it redeemed itself after doing that at which the is end unfortunate. of the day that book's just not that good yeah it, and it, i think it's it's fair to say um i think legend of luke might be the ones i have the most frustrations with um so yeah. far but i don't i wouldn't say that marl fox Even more is than bad outcast okay so i have outcast in mid-tier uh spoiler yeah, I, alert. I think i remember that from last time yeah I think you like outcast a little bit better and than i do i have marielle in low tier which might be sacrilege. Yeah, that's right. Yes, uh, is that the right yeah. word? To- I mean, that's pretty consistent with how, I, even if it was in mid tier for you, like that, you've always been colder on Marielle yeah. than I've been. So that makes sense. And so those are my four. So you you have you have Redwall, Marl Fox, Legend of Luke, Marielle. Yeah, low tier. Okay, gotcha. What's your mid tier? Uh, not all of the M's, but we start with Madame Mayo. Um, he got bumped up from low tier thanks to uh, okay. some of the other okay, ones, yeah. new entries. Um, yeah. Bellmaker, Outcast. I think it's because Outcast 
there's a lot of nostalgia wrapped up in that one for me of memories of it. I think Sunflash is such a good character. Um, yeah. yeah. And there's some real strong points. Yeah. And I think it was him trying something uh, almost yeah. like the opposite of this book. Yeah. Uh, in, in some regard. Um, and then I, this is the one that I know you're going to take uh, issues with, but Salamandastron is still in mid tier. Yeah. Um, yeah. It when and that's where I like I talked about what leaves an impression, and Salamandastron is just not leaving an impression of mm. like these yeah. other the next top tiers will. It's fair. Yeah. Hey, it's saucy. It's a saucy Sa- choice. Saucy Salamandastron take. That's what the segment is for. Uh, yeah, my mid-tier is similar. Um, Marielle, uh, mm-hmm. in place of Outcast for you, and then Matameo feels staunchly mid-tier. That feels yeah. like my Definition sort of true of. midpoint. Uh, Bellmaker, and then I have Martin here. That I, I think that's my... If your saucy choice is Salamanistron, I think my saucy choice is, is Martin. And that's... Every time I think about that title, I have just such a weird relationship to it where I'm like, it is really good. It kind of doesn't feel like a Redwall book to me in so many ways. I think ways. that's part of what it's, I like about it. Yeah. But that just that book two section. And, and I do think like, though, it's it's just so hard. I just don't know what to do with that one because part yeah. of me is like, I'm just not that interested in Martin and I don't think he can carry that book. But I'm like, but he carries Mossflower and I love that book. So yeah. I, I don't know. I, I just don't know what to do with that one. It was such a fun book to discuss, but I just like, I don't, I, I don't know. It's I think just, it feels on the high end of mid. Yeah. I, I think maybe one of the issues that Legend of Luke has is that a lot of the stuff that it would cover in what makes Martin Martin was already covered in a book. The dude already wrote. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, yeah. and I think he covered a lot of that stuff of what informs a hero uh, so much better yeah. in Martin, the warrior, yes. which yes. maybe will be a great segue to why it's on top tier uh, for me. Um, do we have another drink coming in? I don't know. We've got a, we've got a wife coming in. I don't know why. Oh boy. I guess she's just here to sit. All right, just vibing. Um, just vibing. Uh, <laughs> Kendra, what's your top Redwall book? Uh, Hers is Marielle, the only one she's read. It's also her <laughs> lowest. Uh, unfortunate. Um, but yeah, Martin the Warrior, I think, is in top tier for me for all those reasons of just uh, it makes Martin Martin. I think it makes him a character. Um Pearls of Lutra is on here, I think because it got a bump up from mid-tier last time, just because when we're okay. talking about what lasts, Pearls of Lutra has an energy to it that just has stuck with me. Um, mm-hmm. Moss Flower, I think it's like the definitive Redwall book. Um, it's if great. It's, it has so much going for it of community. Uh, the B plots all work together. Um, yep. And it's firing in all cylinders so good and though we had two low tiers this season we also had a, a high tier in long patrol because that one yep. slaps yep for sure mine's similar with long patrol moss flower feels like it could be my one and two 
Yeah. And then I've got Pearls and Salamanders Toronto up here. Um, so three of our four top uh, agree. Um, and then you've got Martin and I've got Salamanders Toronto. What do you think about and, Long Patrol is is making it with these these good books, these these I punchers? Think, I think there's just an intentionality with that one. Mm-hmm. It's him being really good at writing, um, which some of these sort of middle period ones, like a Pearls, I think is sort of like, that's a story that if he wrote it five or six books before he did, probably isn't as good, um, but is a good enough story and well-written. Um, whereas I think Long Patrol is a great story, written really well and just I think Tamo is such a good character I think there's a lot of like we talked I think there's just a weightiness to it that I do think he's considered more mm-hmm. than some of these other books I think again him it does feel like he's we're looking through that book through rather than a lens of like you're not going to reference Homer and the Odyssey <laughs> with that book. Like you're going to reference things that we did reference. Like I think war literature. I think yeah. Like it's, it's way, it's way more all quiet on the Western front than it is the Odyssey. And I just think it's super well executed, fits perfectly with things he had already done and kind of steps it up into something he hasn't done um, and did super well. So I, I think long patrol is, fantastic possibly only behind moss flower just because moss flower has got the whole dang Everything. recipe it's got tim ballisto in his peak redwall abbey but it has the spirit of redwall abbey mm-hmm. like it, it's it's the it's that book love to see it yep is it, what would what would put long patrol there for you boy yeah i think um you kind of already said it. I think what makes Long Patrol up there and what also kind of gets Martin up there too is I feel like there's a lot of the meat and potatoes to dig into with it. Um, the most character development. Uh, he yeah. kind of turns a mirror on the themes of violence that he's been uh, using before and asks questions about them in good ways, I think. Um mm-hmm that we don't see or sometimes almost like contradict in some of these other books too. Um, yeah. And so it, it sticks up there real good. I think what, one thing that stuck out to me too was, I don't want to say the speed of it, but it was just like, go, go, go. Yeah. And in rather yeah, than like this first book of legend of Luke, it was just like something happened. It felt like a lot of the stuff that was happening in, um, yeah. The Long Patrol was happening, but it had a purpose behind it. And like you were saying, intentionality. It's, yeah, it's interesting how you can have a, a beat for beat stuff happening and have it so different than what we had in this book. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think not to put too much severity to it, but yeah. like, I do think that these top two, this Moss, Moss Flower and Long Patrol, if I were to ever sort of consider like, okay, outside of, you know, making this podcast, which of these am I likely to ever reread in my life? I think those are the two for sure that I'm like, I would go back to those. Um, yeah, I think that'd 10, be 10 years down the road. Like, I don't know that I'm picking up any of these necessarily. Like, but if I'm thinking like 10 years down the road, a similar stretch of time where I'm like, I haven't thought about Redwall in a while. Like wonder what one of those is like, 
I think it's those two that I'm picking up. Yeah, and I just drive around my neighborhood throwing copies of Moss Flower at kids. Um, <laughs> that's how I engage with this text. Yeah, good. Thinking about the next generation. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Um, All right, that's our tears and probably our episode. I don't know that it lived up to the promise of longest episode. <laughs> I think we... It's almost like that was the joke the whole time. It's almost uh, as if that was a joke, but yes. Thank you for listening to this episode and this season. We are wrapping up this season of Reread Wall with this episode. Um, I know we typically tack on kind of a feast food related episode at the end of these. Not sure that we were able to pull together one for this season, but we'll try to maybe kick off next season with something fun like that who knows what's going to show up before next season who knows but yep holidays busy um so yeah this will be this will be it for a little while we'll take a break and then you know come back with uh three more books and some feast episodes and maybe some fun uh stuff in between there some absolutely like killer books in the next season yeah some big titles i think what do we got lord brock tree tagarung and triss those are those are some big ones yeah that's some good that's some good ones and we'll we'll end with my triss story Uh, wow can you you imagine listening to a triss story i yeah yeah wow that'll be the day it's gonna be great um season five of re-red wall coming up Sometime in 2023, um, we will see. But yeah, we'll still be active uh, on our socials in the meantime, which is Reread Wall Pod. Well, we'll see how long Twitter sticks At- around. We'll see. Yeah, I guess you know, we'll see. Uh, maybe maybe we'll, we'll throw in a Mastodon home. account at some point uh, next post. season. I've, Who I've knows about what post. the fuck is going to happen? Yeah, uh, I don't know, but... We'll be around in some point. Uh, at the very least, we got a Gmail. Yeah. Pod at gmail.com. Guys, it's also um, Christmas season or uh, gift giving yeah. time of year. Did you know we have sure. merch? Uh, we do. If you have a Redwall lover. I did know we have merch <laughs> it's in a box in my office. Um, got merch in a box. We got merch in a box, but that merch could be in your home, in Whoa. your hands. Or, in your or on your body. In your loved one's stocking. Um, yeah, we've got merch, some stickers, and some t-shirts. That is at our website, rewritablepod.com. And, yeah, I feel like, you know, we did it. Guys, another season. You're, you're so cool. Thank you for listening to this podcast. We have a fun time making it. Uh, we do. I hope Jordan has a fun time making it. Um, I do. He does the editing. He does the real work. So he's the real like litmus test here of if we have fun. That's not true. I just kind of talk in a microphone and post bullshit on Twitter um, for however long we're going to be doing I'm glad you do the Twitter bullshit because I am very glad to not do that. (laughs) Who knows? I might have to retire soon. Uh, But we'll see. (laughs) Um, Until that day comes, folks, you're great. and I hope you stay Redwall. Stay Redwall. I don't, I don't know that that was quite as clean as the last couple times. Oh, no worries. It's about the sincerity behind the Redwall, Jordan. Mm-hmm.